welcome to another episode of Chris Reed's book. Welcome to this episode of Chris Reed's book. This is the first episode of season two. I am Chris Bull and I am returning to you, my dear fans, as I start to read to you my next book. This is the second novel in the series, uh, Chaos's Orbit Saga. The title I have for this is Martian Reporter, Humanity's New Hope. So, we pick off kind of where the last book left off. This one is now following James Hall, as he is now the new uh, crucible, the new home of all these nanites that Eric, uh, uh, Eric Pullman left him. So, we're following him as he tries to make sense of all these uh, new abilities, new powers, new memories that he has. I'm going to start off this season uh, trying to record just one chapter at a time so as to keep these from being an hour long. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I might keep it that way like I did at the beginning of last season. I might not. So, without further ado, Chapter 1, The Dreams. Tell him to do it, James. Adam. No. James, I have him stymied right now, but don't know how long I can hold. This is as easy as it'll get. Tell Ming to finish it. I can't hold this control forever. James nodded, sending over the last bit of information Meng would need. James felt his body start to lose co cohesion and his mind its focus. This was the end. He welcomed it. James Hall sat bolt upright in his bed, finding himself in a cold sweat. He quickly brought his breathing back under control. Of all the memories that he kept re-experiencing his dreams, that one was his least favorite. Found you again, didn't it? asked James Christopher from within his head. Oh, yes, it did, James, he said aloud. You have to keep working on identity isolation, as we've been teaching you. The mental barriers between our minds and yours still aren't strong enough. Gotcha, he said as he got up and went to the bathroom for a glass of water. Oddly, the most disturbing part of the dream wasn't finding himself in someone else's shoes. Those other memories were an inseparable part of him now being ripped apart molecule by molecule wasn't pleasant to feel your extremities slowly dissolve to nothing that is what was disturbing it was still dark outside so the only light in the bathroom was the bio light it hit james's face from underneath throwing out shadows over his eyes just as pupils shone in pools of darkness something in him was disquieted by that image after a quick drink, James returned to his bedroom. It had taken a surprisingly short amount of time to grow accustomed to thinking of this house and all within it as his. Eric Pullman, its former owner and leader of the Martian Exile Terran Defense Force, had kept his promise from their days of conversation and had given James more than he ever could have imagined. The house, of course, was just the smallest part. As to the Atmo Undergrounds, specifically the Hero faction who saw Atmo as heroes. 
James had yet to truly contact anyone. Some of the Spencer Field protected photos he had stumbled across in this house would by themselves advance hero research decades, helping to make important connections where now there were only gaps. For James's own good, though, the essences of the thousands of TDF nanetics that now resided in his mind provided him all the knowledge and proof of Atmo and the TDF he could ever need. Those men and women literally were the TDF. They were Atmo. The bulk of extant knowledge centered around the progenitors, the original eight Atmo nanetics. Even now, with chaos, with Adam gone, the echo of his knowledge remained. After Eric had gifted James with the nanetics, forced on him might be a better description, his body had only improved. It was the nanites trying to create the best and longest-lasting host they could. James closed his eyes to let his body sleep. Among other adaptations he had to make his host to the nanites was being conscious while sleeping. James's body rested and regenerated. He always woke up feeling rested, but his mind stayed active. In these early days with the nanites, he knew it was necessary. His mind was integrating and practicing skills inherent to being a nanitic. In sifting through the base nanitic inherent knowledge, James found that Eric had made voluminous additions over the centuries. If what had been basic nanitic inherent knowledge back in the 21st century was a 350-page encyclopedia, the current level of inherent knowledge rested somewhere around a collection of almost 8,000 volumes of such books. It was astounding to think Eric's mind, primitive by modern standards, could hold not only such a wealth of information, but also the infinitely larger amount that went with the quantum realities of so many minds and all their experiences. Eric had been right about that, though. James was simply a more advanced version of Homo sapiens, and so better able to contain and deal with all that, while being a crucible of so many minds. James did not boast or brag, but simply knew that 500 years of evolution had done its work. How could he know? Because with all the minds of the TDF at his disposal, he could literally reach into the past and compare. For that purpose, James Christopher's mind was perhaps the best. His, after all, had been the most computationally capable in all of the TDF. Even in the infancy of James Hall's nanite abilities, having only the barest understanding of all those powers he had inherited from every man and woman in the TDF, he knew he was already more capable than any of them. But such is merely an aside, a footnote to what James now experienced. While his body slept, his mind entered a semi-lucid state. Here the various progenitors nightly took turns training him. They were in control of the dream, though James is free to conjure just about anything to use while training. Tonight, he was the charge of Dondre. Well, hello, young sir. Good to meet you in person, so to speak, Dondre said in deep tenor voice. There were no walls here. It was a place of pure white. The floor had a sheen to it that separated it from above. Otherwise, this training space was empty. I always like coming here, Dandre said. For me, it's the one quiet place in the whole universe. James quickly refreshed his memory. Dandre was able to tap into the collective unconsciousness and temporarily absorb whatever information he needed. 
For him, anything from aviation to language, advanced quantum string theory, physics, to elementary mechanics were instantly accessible, so long as someone around him was using, talking, or thinking about such skills. I can see what you mean, James replied. I'm sure you can. Don't let that cloud your mind as we work. You gotta be a tabula rasa whenever you're seeking after info. As you've already learned from Eric, approach it passively. It was a lesson Eric had taught James over a bowl of soup as he tried to taste all the different ingredients. They came easier when not forced. Now you're about to learn French. How? James asked Andre. Passively, I told you. No, I, I mean, normally doesn't your ability need a target? Perceptive. Yep. I always needed a doorway, a guidepost, to show me where the knowledge was stored. Today, I am your guidepost. James hesitated before asking. You know French? Dondre smiled. It's not what you mean, kid. It was strange. Dondre was pushing him to be more precise, had, had Eric, but in a much more relaxed way. Revising, James asked, Did you know French before the nanites, or do you know French because of the nanites? Better. I knew it before. Comprend? The lesson had started. Follow the words back along their path to their source. Once more pausing, James asked, How? C'est simple. Juste savoir. Just know it. This suddenly resembled an Eric lesson even more. James focused on the words. His mind could feel their etymological roots. There was a shared base with Spanish. Trying to use that foreknowledge as a lever, he attempted to crack open the word's meaning. Time and again he tried. He could get the individual words, but no more. Ain't coming, is it, kid? James shook his head. You know a romance language? Espanol. Trying to use it as leverage meaning, right? Yeah, how did you know? Because you should have had it by now. Remind me the lesson you learned about passive learning. James's mind fit to puzzle piece in place. Let the knowledge happen. It's a very important lesson to keep in mind here. You can't force knowledge. We're not Melinda in this moment. You can't read minds. All you can do is access pre-existing information. By trying to leverage a source, sought piece of information within a known piece of information, you send your mind down a false path of discovery. We've already figured that out. Think of it this way. If you're trying to get a big rock out of the ground, there's no two ways about it. You can try to lift it out by its top, or get underneath it. There's no foreknowledge in the second approach, since you don't know how big it's a rock. All the first way will get you is angry and tired. Eventually, and it gets easier, the second way works. Now relax. His tone of voice forced James to obey. Clear your mind. He did so. Listen. Only. Listen. Don't think about our analyzed words. Listen. Absorb. Dandre began to speak in French. At first, it was a struggle for James to keep his mind from trying to figure out the words. Slowly, though, it relaxed.
The words began to separate into phrases, sentences, sections of speech. All at once, words began to make sense, not just one or two, but whole strings of them. James's mind again made an attempt at its own deciphering it. It was hard, but James quieted the urge once more. He felt as though his mind, while adrift in a sea of information, was somehow purposefully driving itself forward. The strings of words became blocks of blocks, compendiums. Then, all at once, he knew French. The ship of his mind had struck upon the island of understanding. Something must have shown in James's face as DeAndre stopped his recitation of the social contract and asked James in French, do you speak French now? Oui, je comprends, James replied. Tout cela? Dandre asked. All of it, James replied. Well, Dandre said in French, then let's hear it. What should I say? James responded in French. Continue where I'd left off, Dandre replied. For how long? Till I'm convinced. D'Andre said with a smile. James began reciting the prose to D'Andre, who, holding up a hand, cut him off after a few minutes. Good. You have the understanding. Now, though, you need to deepen the bond. Even here your voice carries with it its prejudices. Your accent is horrible. Never did he break his French, and his accent was flawless, even as he stated, Votre accent is Votre accent is horrible. Out of the actual story, I'm sorry. I don't speak French. I speak some Spanish, not, not French, so I apologize, if I, I apologize if I'm butchering that. Back into the story. Wander your mind through French. See how it branches, flows, reacts in the air, D'Andre said. Releasing his mind, James felt it float toward the information. Rather than just hearing... He felt the subtle intonations and the minutiae of dialect. James understood the difference between a Paris Earth and New Paris Mars accent. Got it? Dandre asked. Yes, I have, he said as a Terran Parisian. Do you now, you haughty ground crawler? I do, you pompous nightbird, James countered, alluding to the Richard Ducaye Luna accent he was using. Good, D'Andre said, then simply stood there. So, what next? James asked as D'Andre stood there impassively. D'Andre? You can't hear it? He asked, rocking on the balls of his feet. What? I told you I'd like to come to this place because it was quiet. I built it that way, you see. There's a downside, though. Practically nothing gets through that you aren't listening for. James still didn't understand what D'Andre meant. D'Andre raised his right index finger to his ear. Listen. It's a familiar sound. For you, at least. James tried to listen, but heard nothing. Remember the soup, James. D'Andre chided. Soup. Best experienced when... Allowed to simply happen to you, no forcing needed? James heard something. 
soft and tinny. He concentrated on releasing his mind more. The sound grew louder. It gained substance. It sounded artificial. It coalesced more. Something pulled at James's memory. It was a familiar sound, insistent, but kindly. He felt his grasp on the created reality slipping. What's going on? Simple, D'Andre said. You're waking up. All the better. We're done for now, anyway. He finished as he started to blur. The world around James began to take on color once more, such a contrast to the all-white of D'Andre's training space. James could feel his eyes open. The reality before him didn't make sense. It typically doesn't right away, D'Andre's voice said. It's so easy for the one reality to replace the other. As with anything, just let it absorb for a sec. It'll come. As James relaxed, his bedroom took shape around him. The training space was a mental reality. This was physical reality. He stretched, feeling the sheet shift atop him. He reached over and lightly passed his hand over his note-tab's face. It quieted its alarm and purred. It has been a while, hasn't it? James asked his note-tab. It had only been two weeks, but he hadn't used the note-tab during that time. At least, not like he used to. With his mind improving as it was, he was simply able to recall from memory what he needed for work. Though that too, James felt, would soon be coming to an end. The work, that is. Aside from the house, the sub-basement, full of inventions and in-process experiments, Eric had also left him information on several bank accounts. True, money today didn't mean the same thing it had during Eric's original youth, but... Such sums stashed away. So long as he could make himself a contributing member of society, they would continue to provide James the basics of life. With such funds at ready disposal, James could be very, very productive and contribute a great deal. Mainly, he had kept going to work out of habit. As Eric had said, the note tab didn't really mind not being used. It wasn't sentient after all, it just acted that way. As James rose to leave, it purred sadly. The morning sun was coming up in the window. To try and ease its annoyance, James put the note tab on its window easel. Purring was not the only way it was like a cat. <laughs> Leaving it to its sunbath, he went downstairs. The kitchen as ever felt warm and welcoming. He knew now why Eric had loved to cook. It wasn't truly something that could be well expressed, but rather just was. An omelette sounded superb. Cracking the eggs into a bowl, he reached into the small kitchen hydro garden for some parsley and basil. He could feel the mini star's light exciting the nanites on his hand. A little bit of adjusting of the wormholes that fed the mini star was all it had taken to produce more light from less fuel. Eric had almost been choking the poor thing with too much. And that is the end of chapter one, The Dreams. So, again, if this is your first of Chris Reed's book podcasts, uh, this is the sequel, book two, to the book I originally read for what I'm calling season one of this podcast, Mystery and Deceit from Earth to Mars. That 
set of podcast episodes, as well as this one and all future ones, are going to be available as raw MP3 files over on the Chris Reed's book section of narclaninc.com. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. And they are also available via your favorite iTunes or podcast application. Just search for Chris Reed's book or search for me specifically, Chris Pullman. And you should be able to find me on there. Subscribe and get all of these episodes downloaded directly to your favorite podcast listening device as soon as they're posted. Also, if you head over to narclaninc.com and go to the Chris Reed's book section of the podcast, there you will find links to my social media as well as a link where you can email this podcast, Chris Reed's book uh, at narclaninc.com. It should be. There's a link there, just a little envelope looking icon. You can click on it. It will open up automatically uh, your email client, whatever that might be, you know, like Outlook, that sort of thing. If you enjoy this podcast, this episode, and any of the other episodes, uh, the best thing you can do to help support this podcast is share it with a friend, a family member, a co-worker, someone you know. And also, please, let me know what you think of the stories I tell here of the podcasts, of the episodes. You know, it would be very helpful to get feedback on these um, I don't really edit these. It's just free flow, and I'm kind of mentally doing a little bit of editing as I'm reading. And there's a reason for that. Is uh, first of all, I'm a little lazy, but more over, um, I I like how genuine podcasts feel when the podcaster doesn't really edit them. You know, something like the Nerdist or uh, uh, I can't think of her name right now, uh, Girl on Guy, uh, those two, they don't really edit those too much, it's, it's more just kind of a, a free flow of information, and I feel like it's a more personal podcast, like you're almost sitting there with the podcaster, and that's really what I want to do, I want to form a relationship with you, my listeners, and I hope that you feel that's what we're doing. Uh, just one final comment. The MP3s are available on the website. You can download them to your favorite MP3 player, or you can stream them right from the website. They're linked there. Uh, they will always be available there for you. So again, uh, thank you for, for tuning in to this, the first episode of Season 2 of Chris Reed's book. I'm Chris Pullman. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good week, and we will see you next time.